One reason that unwed couples have a hard time trying to raise a child is that the kind of man-woman relationship that develops in wedlock is not the same kind of man-woman relationship that develops for an unmarried couple. Because going forward, they will not be the same people. Marriage changes people. It's a completely unique path in that relationship for each one. They develop into different beings. Marriage unites the man and woman in a way that will never happen without marriage, not even in long-term relationships. The dynamic alters the path of personal development, and they become different parents, too. Now, you might think I'm about to take some sort of religious view. Religions have a lot to say in the subject. I know that. So I'm a little disadvantaged by that prejudice. You might think I'm pushing their agenda, but I don't care about them. I don't care about religion. I don't care about spiritual movements. I am here to point out to you that marriage is solely metaphysical. It's got nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with their teachings, Bible, none of that. You'll find a lot of scripture that backs this up. Okay, granted. But that's not where this is coming from. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just reciting Bible ideas to you. What I am talking about has to do with the power that's present in, in just the solemn obligation that a man and a woman acknowledge and make to each other that invites a profound force of cohesion between them. And that never happens without that sincere obligation, that immutable promise to each other and to God. Now, if you don't believe in such things, if you don't believe in mystical energies or powers, or, for example, if you don't believe in love, if you don't believe in hate, if you don't believe in good, if you don't believe in evil, that these are energetic forces, and they're as real as, as light or gravity pushing through the universe, well, you're going to miss the boat on this one. You probably won't get what I'm saying. You'll think that a long-term relationship is just as good as a marriage, that they're one and the same. That one has a ceremony and a license, and that's the only difference. You're missing it big time. Wedlock. Marriage. Matrimony. It's mystical. It isn't the ceremony. It isn't the marriage license. Those aren't key to what I'm talking about. I'm speaking of an unseen, call it a blessing if you like. It's a positive, progressive, it's, it's a heavenly grace. It's invisible. Like time is invisible, but it's there. Gravity is there, it's invisible. And no unmarried couple ever experiences it just by being together, just by caring for each other or making each other feel wanted and secure. That's not the whole ball of wax. Those are good. Those are desirable. But that's not all there is. There's more. Way more. There is a secret sauce. The blessing. And without the blessing, there is a missing metaphysical element that no family can survive without. None. You can go looking for examples. You could try to prove me wrong all you want. You won't be able to. There are things that you don't know. A lot of people try to make it work. It doesn't work. Now, that can mean the relationship ends usually badly, but doesn't work can also mean that the relationship continues for many years. The couple feeding off of each other, parasitically sucking the life out of each other. They become each other. It's gross. It's disgusting. They never become better human beings together because of each other. They just become old and sick together because of each other. That's the long-term relationship. Parasites, that's not good either. Either way, 
broken or together, it is still malfunctioning. It is a failure. And when there are children, they suffer. Even when the parents stay together for their sake, there's no love. Without marriage, there is little or no spiritual growth together as a man and woman because the union remains based on the original human frailties that drew them together in the first place. They never grow out of them. In fact, they grow into them. The magical secret sauce is missing. A perfect man and perfect woman would never get married. They'd never procreate. They wouldn't need each other. But here we are, and we do. Most of us do. Most of us have that failing. Men fall for women emotionally, not just biologically. And therein lies the flaw. It's one that has to be conquered in marriage. It's a shortcoming that's never overcome without marriage for lack of the blessing. And that only arises out of complete commitment between man and his wife to keep that relationship no matter what. Now those shortcomings, I can address those later, but they're weaknesses. They affect the quality of the relationship and whether or not the parents have the power to be the parents they need to be. Are they helping each other? Are they becoming better human beings as the result of each other? To become perfect human beings. Ah, you see what I'm saying now? It's not that easy to explain. It has to do with human defectiveness. It goes to spiritual principles that are they're axiomatic to our existence. Not to religious rules, but to universal principles. It's spiritual. It's about reaching perfection or not. And not making it to the other side, if you get my drift. It is metaphysical. And there's a difference between an ongoing man-woman relationship that can never be broken no matter what, and one that could be ended for good reason, with air quotes. Say, incompatibility issues. Irreconcilable differences. Listen, there is an inevitable rise of resentment, temptation to judge each other that begins the very first time that a couple has sex, and that spins into an emotional bond. And that bond becomes more and more bitter over time, and that bitterness, if not dissolved with love, projects into the children, even in the womb. Little infants become infected with it, and they grow up angry and resentful. Just the same as what happened to their mom and dad, hating the lack of love between parents. That's where it starts. Women end up hating men who have used them for sex without marrying them. They aren't even aware that that's what's happening, but that's why after a while, they can't stand their weak, pathetic little pet man. And men hate women who've become impatient and emotional. They become a constant annoyance. And when they don't love through that, they fail to be the real man that the woman needs. Patient, tolerant, forgiving, loving. It's just not there. And it's a vicious cycle of hate. And you bring a child into that hate-filled environment, a cloud of resentment never addressed, just draping over the home with no hope of ever getting better, and it's no wonder we're breaking apart as a society. This, by the way, is how future drug addicts and alcoholics and, and other problems are developed in kids. Sorry to be scary here, but it's true. And divorced couples do the same thing. The same exact thing. They don't even realize it. So breaking apart or getting a divorce for the sake of the children, that's not the answer. But there is an answer. There's a real answer. Look, we live in a culture that has minimized, it's even belittled 
the power of marriage. It completely ignores and, and disbelieves its mystical role in our development as a human race. That's what's happening when I was growing up. I thought it was bad then. And now it's so far beyond that, that it really seems that so few couples really even get married anymore. And even when they do, they don't honor the vows. They change the vows. They make them open-ended. Or, or some that remarry into someone else's chaos made years before they got there. What a mess. But making marriage seem a trivial event, like getting a driver's license or, or joining a beach club so that even you listening right now might take what I'm saying as being outmoded or irrelevant. But I assure you, it is very relevant. It is mystically significant. There are enormous supernatural components to the union of man and woman through an ironclad marriage vow that has everything to do with whether or not children grow up in an environment of real love. And if you think not, then you don't know what love is. <laughs> it's not just affection, not just need, love. Love from the Creator flowing through a father, then a mother, then to the offspring, to the children, in that order. That's a family. If you're unmarried and living as a married couple, you are living that nightmare right now yourself. So at least consider, please, what I'm saying, even if it might be unpopular, even if it might not be information that you want to hear right now. For these reasons, it is always a mistake to have children out of wedlock. They will hate you, and that anger will break them down and ruin their lives. Is it always too late? No. But the answer is not to cut and run. It never is, except under severe circumstances like, like danger of physical harm or infidelity, of course. That's another discussion. And single mothers whose weak and wimpy men have just sired and run or allowed themselves to get kicked out of the home, you have a problem. You have a serious problem. Men, you've been kicked out and had your children taken away and all you can do is visit. You have a problem too. There are many different circumstances that create these situations, but it becomes a nightmare. And if everyone could just turn to the Creator for help by becoming conscious and allowing His will in, children can be spared the horrors of a broken family. I know it's true. It happened to me. I came from a broken family. Broken beyond repair. Look, I fully realize the gravity of what I'm saying here, of these questions raised. I realize that a lot of people listening to this are doing exactly what I'm talking about. They could even become angry at me for saying it. But I will tell you right to your face. I will look you right in the eye and I will say, please, you are making a grave mistake. And your children will suffer as will you, emotionally, physically, and mentally. And if you're already miserable, if your kids are on drugs and having sex and getting sick and you're on drugs and you're getting sick and all you do is fight and get depressed, I just told you why. I'll put it in a nutshell. There's a cohesive force between a man and a woman that doesn't exist between a man and a woman until the man and the woman commit their lives to each other to the extreme that they will never part, not until the day they die, and they will not break that promise. Individually, they develop. They develop as different human beings than where they're just simply male and female, living as species, as animals. They evolve toward human perfection. And the children that are raised without that force and effect are passed on a legacy of difficulties that the couple would never wish upon them. But they project it into them anyway. You don't mean to do it. I know. 
On the other hand, children who are raised with that force and effect, they're passed on a legacy too. It's a legacy of blessings, a good life, a life that the couple would die to see their children receive. That's projected too, through the parents, to everyone's benefit. And guess what? You don't mean to do that either. It just happens. There's peace, there's health, there's goodwill and prosperity in the family among all of its members. And it all has to do with whether or not mommy and daddy are married and improving each other through the immutability of that coming together as man and wife. You have a need for sex that you aren't able to suffer? That's okay. It happens to the best of us. Get married then. That's what it's for. It just might be the best mistake you'll ever make. And then <clears throat> I introduced my son, who was here. And I apologize for uh, maybe getting a little gooey at the end of that. Did you think I got gooey, Dan? Uh, a little bit. I'm a little gooey. You said, <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to. No, it's a serious thing. Um, it's a, it's a it's really it's a problem. Families are falling apart. There's no love in the families, you know. And uh, it has to do with. Well, a lot of it has to do with with men letting down these women. Letting them down, weak men. Now, you and I, have, you and I have spoken a lot about marriage, right? You're twenty three. I'm not twenty three. How old are you? I'm twenty two. Sorry, twenty two. You'll be tw you will be. Sorry. I'll be twenty three in September. You will be twenty. Oh God. Yeah, well, that's a, that's close enough. You're round up. You're almost twenty three. Um, I got married when I was twenty one. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Was, we we were laughing at your uh, one of your marriage photos with mom that was in the living room because we were saying last year we were saying hey you're the same age as me in that photo yeah right and you're getting married which is good to Lord. me that's crazy so I mean I'm in college yeah I know you know well if you have to get married get married but as I said I always call it the best mistake you'll ever make the best mistake that I ever made because. Marriage is a mistake. I mean, it is a mistake. It's our human, it, it's due to our failings as, as in humanity that we have to get married and men fall for women and women see to it that men fall for women. Yeah. And then we have to work this thing out. And I've been working it out with your mother for, well, it's coming up on 40 years now. So. Why were you married for so long before you had kids? You were 40 by the time you had me. Right. And like you said, you got married at around 21. Right. So most people get married, they have kids like almost right away. Mm -hmm. um, is there a difference between, well, between that? Frankly, as looking back in retrospect, uh, it's, a, it, it's been a blessing because you wouldn't be here. There'd be some other kid here. There'd be like a 40-year-old man sitting here instead of a 42-year-old 40, man instead of a 22-year-old man, right? Yes. <laughs> Philosophically, that makes sense. Yeah. Events so, would be different now if things happened differently in the past, sure. Yeah. Well, during the during those years, it, we, were, uh, we were pursuing a selfish lifestyle, if you ask me. I was making mistakes in life, and your mother was making mistakes in life, and I was learning my way through her. She's been rough to deal with. I mean, she is, I can't imagine anyone being rougher to deal with for a man to deal with a woman as she is. She really? is so, yeah, she's stubborn. She's really stubborn. Okay. Nearly destroyed me. 
Okay. I've never met an ego, more egotistical woman in my life. <laughs> I didn't know they could even exist. But <laughs> people have other vices that she lacks, though. I That's think. true. That's true. Well, she, yeah, well, she didn't have the, you know, she didn't smoke, she didn't drink, she didn't do drugs, she didn't do all that stuff. She didn't have a lot of those symptoms. She really, she never, I mean, as far as I know, has really abused outside outside pleasures like drugs or alcohol, no, anything like that. No, even even eating. She's never been an overeater. Not either. really. She she on occasion she's put on a little, you know, a couple of extra pounds. I think everybody does that though. She nobody would ever have described her as fat though. No. Ever. No. But you know But we do I mean I see what happens where she judges herself and judges others. Mom's and, and gets into mom's that addiction too. has been her thinking. Yeah. Her thoughts. She was, she was, she's extremely intelligent, very intellectual, very smart. Yes. She went Bronx to- Bronx science. She went to, she went to Bronx High School of Science, uh, graduated the, not, you know, number one, but at the top of the, with, well, like in the top 10. Yeah. Performance wise. And- Bronx uh, science is one of the top schools, at least in New York. I know you'll say the country. I don't know if that's true anymore, but uh, it's like one of the top high schools. Right. Probably in the country. It is in the country. I right? know people who go to uh, who go to my school who went to Bronx Science. Oh yeah, you know, I go to an Ivy League school. Are they crazy too? Everybody is crazy in the Ivy League. Yeah, that's true. So how come you're not crazy? <laughs> I don't know. Or are I you? am crazy. Well, you are. Um, yeah. So so mom is mom is really really bright. And what she used to do when we first got married, her escape when she escaped, she escaped into books, into reading. And I don't mean she wasn't reading science books. Okay. She was reading like romance novels, ridiculous escapism, you know, these, uh, these books with the, with the, the tawdry covers, you know, with the. Yeah. You mean and, like Fabio? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like Fabio. Is it Fabio or Fabio? Fabio. 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 Big, yeah. Big, yeah. long flowing hair and a six pack. Yeah, For some yeah, reason yeah. you're writing a I don't know horse why, shirtless or something. Yeah. Everybody makes fun of him. I, I always thought he was a decent guy though. I've seen him. I've Probably seen, because he's, he's half him. naked on romance covers with flowing blonde hair. So that's why I think he's a decent guy? <laughs> no, that's why people make fun of him. Oh yeah, of course they that's do. That's worth making fun of. Well, I've seen of. him interviewed. He seems like a really uh, together guy. I don't know. That's kind of weird. And that he would choose that as a profession. And then we, you know, we didn't have children because um, we, I, we were pursuing, I was pursuing a career and she was pursuing a career. I was on wall street. First I was in the import export business. And then, you know, I was doing the fruit and vegetable thing, selling, selling that. And I had the newspaper. Um, I don't want to go into my, my entire uh, CV resume. Here. Yeah. yeah I don't want, but, um, you know, one thing led to another and then I wound up on wall street and I wound up, uh, in the investment banking business. I wound up in an investment bank. First I got a stockbroker's license and started selling stocks and bonds and stuff, investments. And, it takes, you know, pursuing money. It was, uh, it was rather ambitious, frankly. And I had to grow out of that ambition. Mm. It took a long time. It took a long time. And then finally, one day, I came home and you were there. And I said, how did this happen? And I said, where did you get this? <laughs> I don't think that happened that way. No, it didn't happen that way. I will tell you that when you were born, everything changed. Everything totally changed. There was an increase in responsibility, obviously. Yeah. And then it only increased, well, it didn't increase. It just, we, we just became res more responsible human beings. Well, I wanted to uh, address divorce a little bit too. Oh, okay. Because people are getting married and then they get divorced. Right. Almost 50% of marriages end in divorce. Is it 50? Is it up to 50 now? Yeah, it is. It's it? like 42 to 45. Yeah. 
Uh, and that's first marriage, by the way. Second marriage is like 60% end in divorce. Yeah, well, there shouldn't be anything. There shouldn't be any such thing as second marriage. And then third marriage is about 70% that's crazy. end in divorce. Yeah. Which means you've already gotten divorced twice before that. So I guess you're used to it by then. I guess so. So what's happening that people are getting divorced? They're not committing to begin with. They don't see the importance of the, the marriage vows. And they don't want to go through with it. They don't want to go through with it. There's a certain, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned this in the monologue. Men and women basically resent each other. Okay. And it comes from the reason, and it's carry, it's a carry forward from the resentment that they have from their parents. Right. And unless you forgive your parents, you can't forgive your, you can't forgive the opposite sex at all. You can't forgive other people. Including your spouse. Including your spouse. Okay. So in order to forgive your sp spouse, forgive for what? Men and women are meant to annoy each other <laughs> and to grow through that. They're meant to sharpen each other's skills against resentment. And they become better human beings as a result of that. And when they love each other, they can love the world. But they, but they never learn to love each other unless they first forgive and I don't mean forgive, I don't mean, you know, I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father, you know, like, like a Catholic priest or something. I mean, they uh, stop hating their parents and they forgive them for what they did because they did something. Maybe they didn't beat them. Maybe they, there was no psychological harm that you, that you can recall. Because people always, oh, I had great parents. Oh, I love my parents. I have all these issues now. My parents treated me so well. Right. Well, well what's that? Yeah, but the answer is they're not perfect, are they? See? And if they're not perfect- well, of course they're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Right. Well, that's what you resented. Oh. You see? Yeah. That's the thing. Right. Have you ever resented me? Yes. Today? Yes. Yesterday? Yes. What happened, what happened yesterday? Oh, I'd, any, anything. At least a few times a day, you know. Yeah. Something happens where I'm tempted to get annoyed at you. Right. Today it was, uh, what was today? There wasn't enough uh, chopped meat for two burgers, only one. And oh. I wanted it. I had already decided I was going to make myself a burger. And then you decided you were going to have it and then asked me if I was planning on having it. When I said yes, you went, fine, have it. <laughs> God, you could have it if you wanted to have it. I no, I didn't want it. No, it was just a little bit anyway. Yeah. Uh, we have to chop some more meat. We, we chop our own meat around here. We, we have a meat grinder. We don't, gr we have, a, we have some cows. No, we don't have, we buy, uh, we buy Chuck whole, what, shoulder? Your shoulder, yeah. And then uh, my dad chops that. Makes much, much better burgers, m much better everything than, than we get around here as far as chopped meat goes. Yeah, well, I, don't trust, I don't trust meat from, from, the, from the supermarket. In New York, you buy chopped meat, it says Chuck, or it, it tells you exactly sirloin. It tells you exactly where it's from. But around here, we live on Cape Cod, it just says- Meat. It just says- Beef. Meat, burger meat. <laughs> and you have no idea what they put in it, oh. you know. Noses and ears and noses and eyelids ears and tongues and, and God knows whatever. And it just doesn't taste good, and it's always different. You can always tell you're eating a different part of the animal. It's like I don't know what this is today. Yeah, I know. So yeah. So anyway, uh, so you found that to be annoying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. But it's it, and it's funny because I do notice that there are things that I find annoying that you do. Right. That I don't think I would find annoying if somebody else did. Although that only you find annoying from me. Right. That's right. And I'm like, why am I annoyed at my okay. dad for this? Now you're getting to something. And I hear my friends 
talk about stuff like that too. Right. They complain. You don't believe what my dad said, but, but, but I'm like, so that's not annoying. Okay. So and they're annoyed by it. That, that is a nat- there is a natural tendency to hate your parents. That is right there. Yeah. There it is. You've got it. You've got it right there. You've pinpointed it. So other people do that. It doesn't bother you, but I do it and it does. You have to overcome that. We go through this all the time. Yes. Anybody listening to this, I don't know if they are hearing this type of thing for the first time or not, but that's what we go through. That is how you were raised. You were raised to forgive me, just like I forgave you for having poop that looks like mustard in your diaper when you were first born. <laughs> I was going to say what, last week? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I, had to freak, I had to develop patience yeah. and tolerance for a screaming, crying, pooping baby. Yes. Right? That need that got up in the middle of the night with gas. I know you still do that frequently, I guess, but for getting up in the middle of, of the night with, with gas that I would have to go out and, you know, get some medication for or something like that. It develops you develop a lot of patience. You develop patience you're supposed that, to. for humanity that you didn't have before. You're supposed to. Yeah. You're supposed to. But if you and if you don't, you run. So why am I tempted to hate you? Or be annoyed at you, my parent, more than others. Because, well, as you know, that's not you. Right? There's yeah. something in you. Everyone has an ego. Yeah. And that's that's your dark side. That's your dark nature in you. Trying to ruin my relationship. It wants to ruin your relationship with me. Yeah. If it can ruin the relationship with me, you'll, you'll, you also won't be able to forgive your mother. And if you can't forgive your mother, and if you can't forgive me, you'll wind up marrying a person and you won't forgive them for what they do to you. And you could wind up in divorce. You can wind up unhappily married. You can wind up with children who you project that anger into as well. Mm -hmm. You see, I had to overcome what was projected into me by my mother. My mother was very impatient and uh, ambitious and she projected a lot of that into me. So I had to overcome that. Right. And the way I overcome that is by not trying to overcome it. By forgiving, by letting go. Yeah. And all of the things that I, that I talk about and write about. But uh, you have to do the same thing. And your sister has to do the same. All, all kids, regardless of age, it doesn't matter if you're 23 or 63, you have to, you have to forgive your parents. You have to forgive your mother and your father. And, and like we were saying before, for people who said, oh, I love my parents. They were great. There's still little things that will happen, like I just described with you. Right. With- you know, there wasn't enough meat for two burgers. That's right. annoying. Right. That I still have to look at even the small things that to anybody else would seem to be insignificant compared to large problems that a lot of people have. That's right. Because it that is- That still matters. It, not only does it matter, but you can't stuff it. See, a lot of people would just stuff that. Oh, that's nothing. That's, they would justify it. Oh, yeah. he, he didn't know. He, he was just being dad. He was, you know, whatever, right. whatever it is. Even when, I'm, even when I'm right, you resent it, right? You're tempted to resent it. Sure. Especially when I'm wrong. Especially when I'm wrong. Like, and I never, and I make mistakes. I'm not a perfect human being. Uh, I remember at, at college, uh, specifically last year, a lot of talk amongst people about going home to their family. Right. How much angst it causes. Oh, I have to go to Thanksgiving dinner with my family. Right. Oh, how will I handle this? <laughs> I'm like, I love going home. What are you talking oh, yeah. about? And that's, that's a dramatic uh, manifestation of that, of that hatred toward right. people's families. But they can't even go home. They don't even like going home. Right. Well, that's even, what, even for a, a three-day vacation. Yeah. Well, that's why a lot of kids 
uh, they they can't wait to get away from home. They can't wait to go, they go away to college or they go out and they get an apartment. They get a job. Yeah, they just want to get out of the house, and they think they love their parents, and that's not love. They haven't been shown what love is. I, there's affection, and there's fondness. There's all of that, and there's 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 you know there are maternal and paternal connections between mothers and fathers with children. You know, and similarities in personality and, sure, and, and interest. Sure, and you have a history together. You could talk about baseball with your dad. And you sure, have, you have good memories. You have all you have all of these things that that keep it together. But there's something missing. There's something missing. If 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 you haven't learned how to forgive, if you haven't learned how to not hate, how to get over the little things, the tiny things that don't seem important. And I don't mean forgetting about them. I don't mean stuffing them, just repressing them or suppressing them, right? I mean dealing with them, just stepping back and looking at them until they just fall away. That is true forgiveness. But you know to do that ahead of time if you're awake and if you're conscious. But you have to be present in order to do that. Otherwise, you just get caught up in the, in the stream of thought and when you're caught up in the stream of thought, that thought is not you. Thoughts are, we're not, you know, you hear all, oh, I'm not my thoughts. Well, people think they're their thoughts when they're having pleasant thoughts and when they're having negative thoughts. They say, well, I'm not my thoughts. No, you're not any of your thoughts. You're not, you're none of them. It's like when I say, you know, I talk to people all the time that uh, they struggle. They struggle between, oh, how do I know what the right thing to, stop trying to decide. If there's a, uh, the, the example I like is uh, if there's a, uh, a little angel on your left shoulder and a little devil on your right shoulder and both of them are arguing back and forth telling you which what what to do which one do you listen to are you asking you want the, well you know the answer right because you've heard me say this many times i mean i i do you go ahead yeah the answer is none of them neither 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 or neither you listen to neither of them <laughs> they're both wrong they're both wrong they they both represent Neither are you, right? No, you're not wrong either. What do you mean? Neither of them are you. Neither. You're not the devil or the angel. <laughs> right. They're not you. Their voice is speaking to you. One is pretending to be good and one is pretending to be bad and neither of them are you. It's just guaranteed to pull you into the struggle. You just step back and watch and the right thing to do will come just naturally. It'll unfold right before you and you don't have to decide what that is. You, you stop making decisions because the path is clear right in front of you. You know what the next thing to do is automatically, without trying, without struggle. It's effortless. And that's what happens. But you can't do that unless you are awake, aware, and conscious. And when you're in thought, when you're angry, when you're, oh, he said that to me. And if he says that again, then I'm going to do this. And, and I'm going to respond this way. And you're running these little scripts in your head. You're not present and you can't operate intuitively that way. Your intuition is cut off completely, you know? So that's the temptation. When you're tempted to be angry at me, that's something, that's the little devil talking to you. Okay. But it could be telling you how wonderful I am too. That's just as bad. You're putting me on a pedestal. Yeah. They're both devils on each shoulder. Well, one sounds like an angel. But he's the devil. Yes. Okay. Devils in sheep's clothing. Should, um... Should we do a question? Yeah, sure. I'll do a question. Okay. So this question is from Adele. Okay. Adele says, it feels real, Dan. Something in me won't let go. I'm scared. I went through the 12 steps nine years ago and also quit smoking. Recently started again and I hate it. I want more of him, but the road is more of me. 
So it sounds like she relapsed with smoking. Oh, I see. So she uh, she, she hates it. She's mad at herself too. So she took the 12 steps. I would assume that's for alcoholism or drug. Probably. Drugs. Probably or, alcoholism. Or probably. Or could be both. Right. And she recovered from that and she quit smoking also. A lot of people quit smoking when they, when they do the steps for real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they don't do it for real, they wind up- They wind up smoking heavily at AA meetings. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Yep. AA meetings used to be like, you know, used to take place in these big clouds of smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are people who have just transferred one addiction to another. They haven't recovered. They're not recovered alcoholics. No way. They've just transferred one to, one not to another. Not all smokers who are in AA aren't recovered alcoholics, so. Uh, I would say that's- that's probably correct. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. Because if you were smoking and drinking, maybe you got rid of one of them. Right. You can still get rid of the other. Of course Doesn't you mean can. you took all your eggs and put it in the other basket. No, but I, listen, I work with a lot of people with a smoking problem and the drinking problem, but a lot of people with a smoking problem, a lot of people who have given up alcohol and drugs still smoke. And it's not a transference. What's happened is they've awakened. They've had a spiritual awakening, right? And the obsession has been lifted. So they, don't know, they can regulate their behaviors. They don't have to do that anymore. But they don't give up the addiction, the, the drug addiction, the nicotine addiction. They hold mm -hmm. on to that and they keep smoking. Why is that? I say that if you've had a spiritual awakening and if you are conscious, if you are living a God-conscious lifestyle, you don't need to smoke. You just don't know it. It's just a, a physical. It's a physical thing. They're afraid to go through the physical withdrawal. See, when somebody- You're who, saying the spiritual problem has already been addressed. That's been addressed. And you no longer need to do that. You don't need to. You don't need a second no. amends. No. You, you've done it all. You've done it all. You just don't know that you can stop. Right. Because there is some physical displeasure in stopping smoking, right? Yeah, but it's- Just not, like it's cutting down as, your sugar. It's, 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 it's I think I think cutting down your sugar is, is, is worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's not that bad. It only lasts a few days, that withdrawal. But uh, withdrawal from uh, smoking, that's bad too. But it's not so bad that you can't do it. It's not any worse than a, than a mild cold or a bad cold, but it's like getting over cold. You have some nausea, some headaches, restless, irritable discontentment, right? You have all that going on, mm -hmm. but it only lasts a few days. By, by the third day, it's fine. And, and people who are awake and aware and conscious are able to get through it because they really don't emotionally need the nicotine anymore. They're, yeah. not, they're not treating spiritual disease. They're just... They're just addicted physically to it. And once they get over the physical part, they find, oh my God, this was so easy. Okay. So Adele quit smoking nine years ago and she started up again. She feels bad about it. Right. So. Yeah. So wh what happens is people go through the 12 steps. They have the spiritual awakening, right? They lose the obsession to drink or to drug or whatever it is they're, they're sort of specializing their recovery around, right? And they also lose the, they lose all their obsessions, really. When you truly spiritually awaken and become God conscious and start living a God conscious lifestyle, you become different and you lose the need for these drugs like, like drugs or food or alcohol or nicotine. You lose the need for it. So you can stop. It you wouldn't can, make sense for you to lose one, not the other, because they're all doing the same thing spiritually. Correct. That is correct. They're all trying to mend the same spiritual issue. So not, you, not working. you are able to regulate your behavior. You are okay. able to, to come off of that substance. Some people do it. They just do it. Some people don't do it because they're physically addicted. So Adele apparently did it. Yeah. She got off of it. Yeah. Now she finds herself going back to the smoking. Well, her need has returned. Right. See, she needs it. She's not smoking because she likes the flavor and the taste. That 
she lost that nine years ago. Right, right. She went back to it. So she has gone back to sleep. She was probably uh, spiritually awakened and has gone back into what I call a spiritual slumber, unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. She, not, she might not be hurting so bad that she's drinking again. No, not necessarily. No. But she started smoking. But she started smoking, yeah. So, no, she might never drink again. Yeah. You know, a lot of people start, it's like a slippery slope and they go back to their drinking and their drugging and all of that stuff. Um, but she started smoking again, so she obviously has a need for it. So she needs to get back to whatever whatever it was that relieved her from the drinking obsession. She needs to get back to that so that, she, it, so that she's relieved again of the obsession. This, this time smoking. This time the smoking obsession. Yeah, because she's a drug addict. Now she's a drug addict. Because nicotine is a nicotine is a psychoactive drug. It's a very powerful drug. Yes. People use it as an antidepressant. They use it to relieve anxiety. And it makes them feel calm, and it makes them feel like they've got it all together, and they lose they lose the uh, it, it helps them cope with life, helps them cope yeah, what, with pressure and stress that's in their life. What does nicotine do? I hear people talking about it doing good things to you too. Oh, you're more creative with nicotine. You're more awake. Uh, what is? People say that about all. They said it about pot. They <laughs> yeah, said it about that's it. true. They said it about drinking. Yeah, writers have been saying that about drinking forever. Yeah. Oh, I get, they get drunk and they write. Yes. Okay, so it's not true. They they do studies. I'm I'm not a scientist, so but I, but I read things sometimes about these drugs, and they prove. Oh yes, there's increased memory and mm. short term memory, and I, I think uh, nicotine can actually stimulate parts of the brain that that improve uh, memory, for example. But what it does is it numbs the conscience. It numbs your ability to feel bad about yourself, as bad as you need to feel about yourself in order to change. Like every drug. Like every drug, like food. You could abuse anything. Yeah. You can abuse a ham sandwich. <laughs> by eating it. By eating it. Just confirming. Okay. Why? By smacking it? <laughs> um, by the way, so she needs to return. Well, yeah. She should try. She should try my meditation. Non-contemplative meditation. Yeah. She should go on the website. What people in 12-step programs where they err. The 12 steps is fantastic. It works, it works really well. It's very rudimentary, and most people have a problem keeping it up after they've gone through it. So they, they, they look at their past, they look at their, they take, they do what they call an inventory, right? They take an inventory, they look at their past, they look at the people and the institutions and the principles that have made them resentful, they look at their fears, they look at the harms to others, and then they make amends, and they're, they're remorseful, obviously, and they, they have this forgiveness experience. And what happens is they're supposed to go on- Real forgiveness. Yeah, they, they right. They lose a lot of that- They lose the hate and anger and judgment that they've had for everything in their past. In their past, in their past. But there's new ones coming along. Yes. There are- So you're a clean slate. You're a clean slate. But then there are new ones that come along. And, the, and when you're a clean slate, the obsession to drinking goes away. It goes away. Yeah. And But now- you're still living, but now you're still living. So you, st so they have, they have a tenth step, right? Which where you're supposed to look at the current crop ups of these emotions that come along, these negative emotions, fear, resentment, all of all of these things, and you're supposed to look at that and step back and watch them, and then they go away. You're saved. That's what saved. That's what being saved is. You're being saved from what? You're being saved from anger, from hate, and that's how people in twelve steps in the twelve step fellowships are supposed to be. They're supposed to gain mastery over resentment. They're supposed to get free of anger, but they don't. 
so they think it's not possible. So they give up. And it's not that they give up going to their meetings, it's that they give up being watchful. And they don't pray, and they don't meditate. Or if they pray, they're just mumbling positive affirmations and, and things with, with God and Jesus thrown in here and there. And, mm-hmm. and they think that's prayer. That's not prayer. Not being still. And if they would just do that, they would separate from the thought stream. that deli- Like we were talking about before, you getting these thoughts about, about me and judging me. That's not you judging me. So they continue to judge other people. That's what does them in. That's what does them in. So the, the need returns, and there's guilt involved with that because that's playing God. Once you start playing God, you start to develop guilt because God doesn't want you to play God. He's God. So you're judging other people, judging them, sending them in your mind to heaven or sending them in your mind to hell, putting them on pedestals or condemning them. You're judging. You're putting emotion into your observations. And uh, there's guilt involved there, and it's painful. And that pain is, that's anxiety. And it's calling you, it's calling someone back. She's being called back to God, but she's not going. She's medicating it with nicotine. So all she, it's very simple. She's come a long way, obviously, right? All she has to do is get back to where she was before. She's got to get back to that clean slate. Stop hating. Stop judging. Stop being angry. And the way to do that is to be still. Sit still. She can go onto our website, get the meditation, non-contemplative meditation, and do that and step back from thoughts. Schwarzhoffmedia.com. And she'll be fine. It's free. Just go get it. It's right there. So Prayer and meditation. Prayer and meditation. When you have prayer med- that's By the way, uh, she, you mentioned 12 steps. That is their prayer and meditation is their 11th step, right? And why do you do 11th step? Because there's a step that comes after that, which is called the 12th step means that you become, you can carry that message, they call it, and you become useful to, to God and to, to your fellow human beings. You become useful. But you're not going to be useful if you're not centered. You're not going to be useful if you're, if you're still obsessing. The, the meditation is, is regular daily maintenance that you need, so you don't have to have another inventory 20 years later no, you don't. for all the terrible things and judgments you've had since right. then. Well, in effect, you're actually, your inventory is in real time. Right. If, if you don't change the way you're living, it'll it'll just get you again later and something else. It'll build up again. Yeah. So. so okay. So, so, 12, so 12 subs is good. It's great that it worked for her. It doesn't work for everybody because not everybody goes through with it. And she obviously did and benefited, but she's had a relapse. She's had a relapse to the nicotine. It could be gone tomorrow. If she wants to call me, she can call me. Or you can message on Facebook too. It's a good way. Message on Facebook. Get a hold of me. Get a hold of me. You want to stop smoking? We'll do it over the phone. Which is a good opportunity to mention the Stop Smoking module. Okay, let's mention it real quick. That we have uh, coming out on the website. Right. Um, soon, we're working on it where it's uh, we're going to have videos, uh, related podcasts and blogs, basically a guide to stop smoking so people can do that. Right. Yeah, it's all going to be free. There'll be something- It's going to be a page dedicated to, to smoking cessation, stop yes. smoking. Yes, there'll be, uh, it'll be all, it'll be- 99% of it will be free. There'll be an ebook they can also download. There'll be a small charge for that. We don't want to give away for nothing. Right. <laughs> but, but the solution we will give away for nothing. The, the extra stuff you'll, you'll, have to, you'll have to cough up a couple of shekels for. But, uh, a couple of rubles. A couple of rubles. But the rest is all for free. You can stop rubles. Sp- rubles. What did I say? No, I said rubles. Oh, okay. It's a ruble, right? Rubles. 
The Russian? Is that Russian? Russian rubles. Yeah, yeah Russian rubles. Yeah. Okay. That's it for today. Join us again next time. Uh, visit the website. You want to give the website address real quick? Schwarzhoffmedia.com. Schwarzhoffmedia.com. How come I, how come I can't remember that? You never remember the website. <laughs> um, I can't remember my own name. There's lots of free stuff there. There's videos, there are articles, um, and the contemplative meditation is there. It's all no charge. And the non-contemplative meditation is there. I said that. No, Tim, you said the contemplative Oh, okay. Meditation. I was just testing you. The non-contemplative meditation is there. It's all no charge. You can subscribe to this podcast, and you can sub- also subscribe to the mailing list. Yes, which goes out once a week. That goes out once a week. And you'll get notifications about the podcasts, too, through the email. Okay, good. And that's it. Thanks for listening. This has been episode number 11, and join us again next time. Bye. Bye.